0: Please remain standing for reading of the gospel this morning, which comes to us out of the gospel of Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Mark 11, beginning in verse 1, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he, Jesus, sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, You will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found the colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead, those who followed, were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven." This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we take a quick break from our series we've been on during the season of Lent entitled What Makes a Hero? We conclude that series next week on Easter Sunday with Life versus Death and Resurrection. But today we take a small break in honor of Palm and Passion Sunday and we ask the question, what kind of king is Jesus anyway? What kind of king is Jesus, was Jesus And will Jesus always be? So I want to ask you a question. When you picture the entrance of a king, what's the first thing that comes to mind? What should the entrance of a king look like? Should there be chariots of gold and flowers? Should there be palm branches? Should there be um, limousines and red carpets? Should there be horses and trolleys? Should there be extravagant robes? I kind of picture the scene in Aladdin where Aladdin comes strolling in to Agrabah on the back of the, the elephant and there's, there's people everywhere. He's got people. He has those guys swinging the bells and say, make way for Prince Ali. And there's things everywhere, people, and the genie just goes nuts. Make way, here he comes, bang drums, whatever. (laughs) All of this for the entrance of, well, what they thought was a prince, right? But they thought it was a king. So should there be flowers and jewelry and robes and all these kinds of things? Is that what you picture when you picture the entrance of a king? Maybe it's a long, dangling royal robe that they wear in England and, and there's a parade of people there to welcome them. Whatever, whatever we picture, this is the kind of entrance that King Herod would have had that day in Jerusalem. That's the kind of entrance that, that Pontius Pilate would have had in Jerusalem as they processed in scores of soldiers and and chariots and, and regalia. They would have marched and processed into Jerusalem that day knowing that it was the first day of the season of Passover when there were thousands if not millions of Jews from around the world that were flocking into Jerusalem for Passover that week. And so they would have processed with their soldiers and their their wealth to show the power that they possess. The power of the high priest. The power of the king. The power of Governor Pilate with the entire Roman Empire behind him. We're reminded that, that Passover was, this, was is the event that the, that the Israelites, the Jews, celebrated being delivered from slavery and captivity in Egypt. And so during that week, they would all, from around the world, descend upon Jerusalem to the temple. The Roman rulers, they, they knew this was a, a day that marked this event and that was coming up. And so their display of power was to reinforce the idea that they were the ones that had complete control over Jerusalem. That they were the ones in charge. However, don't you love in Scripture there's always a however? There was a third processional that happened that day. processional that we celebrate today. It was for a well-known man of the region, a man that had become famous for his ability to heal, to preach, and for his his radical methods of associating with other people, things they had never seen before. And, And he didn't have thousands and scores of troops by his side or flowing robes from a brawny steed. He came alone, riding on the back, of a simple donkey. No entourage, no no robes, no scores of troops, no genie to lead the way and to bang the drums. He came alone on the back of a donkey. It's interesting and and a bit odd, though, if we look at it, that, that Jesus would ride a donkey because he walked everywhere else he went. Did you ever notice that? In fact, Jesus waited outside the city near the Mount of Olives after sending his disciples to fetch a donkey for the last half mile into Jerusalem after he had already walked some 90 miles the day before from Galilee. So why would he wait intentionally for the last half mile to ride a donkey when he never rode a donkey before? Why not just walk the rest of the way? With Jesus, there is always a reason. Jesus didn't do things by accident. Jesus always had a reason. Let's take a look at a scripture from Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Sing aloud, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king will come to you. He is righteous and victorious. He is humble and riding on a colt, the offspring, the foal of a donkey. These were the words of the prophet Zechariah some 500 years before the day that Jesus would process into Jerusalem. The donkey was very symbolic. The donkey had meaning. You see, kings as far back as David rode them because of their sure-footedness in the rocky terrain of of Israel and Palestine, and they could travel further with less water. They didn't need to be tie-tied as much as the brawny steed that most kings rode. No offense to the horses, dear. But they were symbolic, and they were useful, and they were practical. It was also seen as a humble animal, reflecting not only David's identity as the shepherd king, but of Jesus' own birth story itself, which Mary rode from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The donkey has meaning. The Jews in Jerusalem, they would have known this prophecy from Zechariah. They would have known the stories of David. They would have known that David himself rode the donkeys. So when they would have looked up and saw the famous miracle man riding into town on a donkey, they would have known that this was the king the prophet spoke of. And so they grabbed their palm branches to make his footing more sured. They grabbed their cloaks to cover, no, no doubt, the dusty trail so that the dust wouldn't fly up so that they could see him coming so that nothing would get in his way so the donkey could have a clear path into, into town. And as they put down their branches and their cloaks, they shouted what? Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Everybody say, Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna. Hosanna. These words are not just random words either. These words have meaning. They have a purpose. The word, the phrase, Hosanna, literally means, save us. But when used in the term Hosanna, it puts an imperative meaning onto the request. They're not just saying, Hosanna, save us, you know, when you get around to it. They're saying, Hosanna, save us now. Do something now. Hosanna, this is important. Have a sense of urgency, Jesus. Hosanna, save us now. They're calling on Jesus to be the Messiah and the Savior that the prophet spoke about. That's not the only phrase. So Hosanna is the one that we remember the most. But there's a second part of this phrase that we have to remember. And the phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, is almost just as important as the phrase Hosanna. You see, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord was a psalm. It was recited to welcome kings back to Jerusalem as they returned victorious from war. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was a psalm specifically for welcoming kings back from war. And so it had significance. This kind of reception by the people meant that they thought... They were welcoming their Messiah. They were welcoming their king, the one who would deliver them from the oppression of Roman rule. They were hailing Jesus as king. But this begs us to ask the million-dollar question that we ask today. What kind of king is Jesus? He didn't come parading in the town with scores of troops or even, or even an army of angels from heaven as perhaps they may have been picturing. He wasn't some big, burly, centurion man who, could, who, who, who was like Samson who could kill a lion with his own bare hands. At least you didn't look at Jesus and get that inclination that he had the power of God in his fingertips. He didn't have... He didn't have all of the, the wealth that could have bought and paid for political gain in order to overthrow the rulers of Jerusalem and of Rome. He wasn't the kind of king they pictured. I can almost imagine in my own mind as they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! Some of them, their, their faces may have dropped a little bit, and they would, it, they'd gone from Hosanna, Hosanna to Hosanna? 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 This is what we've been waiting on? Can you picture that in your mind? When you see a single man on the back of a single donkey riding into town. A man who you knew had healed people. A man that you knew had had performed miracles. A man that, that you knew was teaching in radical, progressive ways that they had never seen before. And when he finally parades into town to take over, He comes on the back of a donkey? Hosanna? What kind of king is Jesus? I mean, he didn't have a crown on his head. He had nothing. What kind of king is Jesus? Brothers and sisters, we serve a king who on Sunday humbled himself He put others before him as he rode towards his destiny. He knew what was going to happen when he rode into Jerusalem on that fateful Sunday years ago. He knew he was riding to his death. And because of his great love for all of us, he did it anyway. He put us ahead of himself. He is a humble king. On Monday... Jesus would surely seal his fate by disrupting business in the temple. The busiest week of the year for the temple tax, he turned over the tables of the money changers and is showing them that he is a king who refuses to allow his people to be taken advantage of, particularly by those who take advantage of others in the name of God. We serve a king who will not let his children be taken advantage of. That's what kind of King Jesus is. On Tuesday, he stood up to the religious leaders and condemned hypocrisy. He is a king who commanded us to love each other, not take advantage of each other's weaknesses. That's the kind of king Jesus is. On Wednesday, Jesus decided to go out and to teach those who would listen. He taught that those who fed the hungry, those who gave drink to the thirsty, and welcomed the stranger would be the ones that were ready for the coming of the true king. They would be the ones that would inherit the kingdom. He is the kind of king that spent one of his final meals with lepers, and was anointed with oil. Not with oil from a well-known priest or a teacher, but anointed with oil from a prostitute. Jesus is a king who would rather spend his moments with people that no one else wants to be with. That's what kind of King Jesus is. On Thursday, he would dine with his disciples. He would teach us all that is truly meant to be a servant leader. And Jesus didn't just teach with his mouth. He also got down on his hands and knees and led by example. He placed himself as the role of the servant and washed his disciples' feet. What kind of king is Jesus? He is a king who saw himself as a servant, willing to suffer and to serve for his people. That's what kind of King Jesus is. Jesus is a king who finally on Friday, he would be arrested, battered, beaten, sped upon, and crowned, finally a crown, but a crown, not with jewels and gems, of crown with thorns and thistles. He was forced to carry his throne to his incarnation. To, excuse me, to his, yeah, to his incarnation. Where he was planted firmly, not on a chair above the rest, but on a tree that nails were used to hold him there. And on a hillside, he bled for all of his people. What kind of king is Jesus? He is a king that died so that you and I might have the opportunity to know what it is to be loved by God. He is a king who died so that way we might have the mercy. Of God, that we might have the opportunity to accept the love and mercy of God, and that we might follow Him. What kind of King is Jesus? Jesus is the kind of King that this world will never see again, He's the kind of King that this world never saw up until him. He's the kind of king that loves us so much that he was willing to go through death in order that we might just be given an opportunity to love God back. To love him back. That we might be shown the way to walk in his footsteps. What kind of king is Jesus? Jesus is the king that we all needed. Jesus is the king that we continue to need today. And Jesus is the king that we will always need. He's the king that puts his people first, he's the king that serves his people. He's the king that dies for his people. And next week, he'll be the king who conquers death for his people. That's what kind of king Jesus is. And this is the gospel message of the passion on Palm Sunday. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.